You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. Today we welcome back to the Foodcast David Remnick, editor-in-chief of The New Yorker. He also happens to be host of the New Yorker Radio Hour, which is on WNYC, but also downloadable as a podcast. Uh, you should check that out. And he writes books and articles and edits a magazine. He does all those things, and he manages to find time to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. How good those meals are that he eats, that's questionable. He and I talk about that and a lot of other stuff. But first, uh, I want to give a shout out to you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for your feedback. Love hearing it. Lisa Vink, for instance, wrote in and said, can we do something on camping and cooking while in the great outdoors? And I was like, wow, that's a good idea. So uh, we're going to get Brad Leone, our test kitchen manager, to talk about what he does when he goes camping out in New Jersey and upstate New York and all these places and catches his own fish and crabs. And I mean, the guy does it all and builds fires and all those things like I have no clue how to do, but Brad does. So again, keep the ideas and suggestions coming. Hit us at Bon Appetit Foodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's do this thing. Here is David Remnick. David Remnick, welcome back to the Foodcast. It's great to be here. All right, last time, I'm going to be honest. We didn't start off on the best foot. Why is that? I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up and maybe you'll, this will ring a bell. I'm yeah. going to switch it up this time. We had an argument about bagels. You were you were angry at me that I did not have the most interesting breakfast in the world, if I remember this right. I think not most interesting would be an understatement. <laughs> I haven't advanced much. I, I think like guys in prison have better breakfast <laughs> than you. <laughs> so let me switch More up. Very. Let me switch up. What did you have for dinner last night, David? Oh, <laughs> ah. See, now you're pushing. I I went to a um a dinner for an Indian journalist who's had all kinds of censorship problems under the Modi government. And it was at Padma Lakshmi's. Oh, so, God. You, so, I, I, so down you go, I my like, friend. I, I like, first of all, I you, like- you, got, you just got played. I know. Yeah. But I like the fact that you try to make yourself out like I'm mm-hmm. this hardworking journalist who's in the office all day, you know, you gotta, editing copy. <laughs> I never get to do anything sexy or fabulous. You got to go and, out sometime. <laughs> this is what the dinner was. I mean, God bless her. And so is that her place? And there were lots of journalists, and it was in honor of this woman who's, a, inc- uh, by all accounts, an extraordinary Indian uh, journalist named Barka who's on television. She's had all kinds of censorship problems, and I'm meant to interview her uh, a couple nights from now. For, so the, was, for your podcast? No, no. for my former um, editor's uh, conference. Tina Brown has this Women okay, in the sure. World conference, and she asked me to moderate a panel uh, of a Turkish journalist, uh, an Indian journalist, Maggie Haberman of The Times, and Masha Gessen, hmm. Russian-American journalist, and obviously about the whole question of burgeoning illiberalism everywhere. So I was interested to go to the dinner to meet Barca, but also I figured the food would be pretty yeah. good. How bad can it be? Well, it how was, was it? Pretty damn good. Is there one dish you you favored? It was this, there was this incredibly spicy fruit and vegetable salad that was Ooh, yeah nice. Was that's good. nice. What's also good. nice a lot of times with Indian food, you have a lot of things that are cooked for a long time and stewed. It's always nice to have something sort of bracing and fresh. Oh, it was great. It was it was really something. Uh, did Padma do the cooking, or was there a, a guest chef? Do you know. I think the way to put it is she did the cooking, but not personally. <laughs> <laughs> she orchestrated. She did. She did. She's a good, I, I, I have met her before and I did her there when, when she did cook with somebody else's help and she was fantastic. I think this was a, you know. A, a bigger, bit. yeah, she can cook, obviously. How do you sort of manage your week? Because 
I imagine you get invited to a lot of dinners and such. You have writers to take out. Like, do you have a sort of a I don't role? Go, I don't go to stuff much at all. And um, as a result, my wife, for example, Esther Fine, who uh, was a reporter for a long time at the New York Times, loves going to the theater. So she she becomes the date of Hilton Alls, who's, oh. a, who's a critic um, My wife is obsessed with Hilton Alls on your podcast. Oh, Anytime she's... he's on, he goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, can we invite Hilton Alls to dinner? I'm like, yeah. you can try. I've never yeah. met the guy. He's a lovely guy. Um, so yeah, so hey, how often do you go out to dinner with your wife? How often, do, or do you, she is just at the theater, or how often do you go to like work dinners? Do you, do you, do you work, think? work dinners, very, you, you, even loosely defined, not that much. Yeah, it's like press things, anything. So, I mean, are you I generally at home? It doesn't, doesn't do much. Give me some details, me. Remnick. Are you at home eating like takeout? Are you making dinner? Like, There's a little takeout. My wife cooks all the time. Yes. She's, and terrific. Yeah, she knows how to cook. Yeah, and my sons come and go. I have a daughter who's still yeah. home. So it, it's, um, so that's nice. But we go, you know, we go out to restaurants all the time. What do you make of- My latest favorite is Madame Jus. How do you say it? The, the tea, Madame Jus Tea House. It's in the village. Uh, uh, the village. Down, wow, you get downtown. I do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even out too far, this Brooklyn. That's and, like that episode of yeah. Seinfeld when Kramer goes down to the village. South of 14th and, Street. And he gets He's lost. Because yes. <laughs> the streets crisscross and, and whatnot. I, I've lived, I, sadly enough, I've lived in New York for 22 years. I still can't give people directions. They're like, where's Perry Street? I'm like- it, that, but that, that mystery over that is way. over. You don't. You oh, GPS. To, you just look yeah. at your phone, yeah. and then you go to the dinner, and then everybody's looking at their phone during the dinner. I it's know. fantastic. Were you surprised? I don't know if anything's surprising anymore. Um, the amount of attention and sort of cultural uh, debate that Trump's eating well done steak with ketchup received. You know what? What to say about this guy? This is the most endearing detail that one can possibly come up with, that he likes something. <laughs> that he actually likes something. <laughs> that he likes to eat a steak and he puts ketchup on it. I, You know, Nixon used to eat cottage cheese with ketchup in it. Really? Cottage cheese with ketchup. Nixon loved that. And we he, actually have a piece on bonappetit.com right now about sort of, let's bring back cottage cheese. You well, put some fresh veggies on there and season it up. It's, 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 a, it's like it's what every grandmother ate. And like, you know what? They ate it for a reason because it was actually good. It used to be considered diet food. I don't yeah. think it qualifies. Remember when you would go to like the deli? You would see like delis. You know like, what's nice? And, and, and Cottage they, cheese mixed with sour cream. That's, but, that's a nice thing. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. But they, there was always like the deli plate and it was a scoop of cottage mm-hmm. cheese, a scoop of tuna fish, and then some like underripe cantaloupe. And that was like the diet plate or something. Sounds great. No, it does it. Sounds great. But but I, I look, in all seriousness, the president of the United States does not seem interested in liberal values, the Constitution, doesn't seem to take much of an interest in the details of policy, domestic or foreign. Um, he lies like a rug. So the fact that he likes a steak with a little ketchup on it, you know, knock yourself out. I guess, Knock yourself. I, I would much prefer him to uh, be the reverse, which is to uh, look. I, I couldn't care less if he's a gourmet. I do not care at all. But it says something. It says it says I, nothing. Oh, I, nothing. Well, I, I, Barack I, Obama, I, I, president yeah. I admired, yeah. looked at food as purely as fuel. He was like a Silicon Valley sort of guy. That that mm-hmm. food was just to get you through the day. I had one lunch with him once. 
I was so hungry afterwards, I had to race to a bagel stand before, <laughs> before getting the train back to New York. I love when rhetoric just the name drops. So yeah, I had lunch with the president once. I, yeah. uh, that's my business. <laughs> I've been covering politics for a long time. <laughs> You're a hardworking man. Well, so you think it was just Michelle who was the, the foodie in the family, and she's the one who drags him to cool restaurants Look in New York. Look at him. He, he's he's svelter than you. I know. He is. And he's, yeah, and he's got a few years on me also. Although I'm about as gray as he is now. After this job at Bon Appetit for six years, look at this head of hair. It's I'm high, way more it's salt high than pepper. Pressure. It's high pressure. Oh, my God. No, I, you know, you want William Howard Taft? You seem to like a nice meal. I, yeah, I've been like 40 oysters before the meal, some <laughs> foie gras as a mid-course. Like, Working his way up through the food chain. Yeah, yeah. some pheasant, <laughs> quail, then pheasant, and then joints of beef. And then, exactly, yeah. then finish it off with it, some beef. So, with some jellies and stuff. What I'm saying is I don't think it's a sign of Character. Can I say one thing? Yeah. I do think, obviously, to dwell on what someone eats is, is a little absurd, but I do think it somewhat reflects on a person's lack of curiosity or open-mindedness in terms of like, oh, I'm willing to try something that I could appreciate and understand that if you're buying a $40, $35 a pound dry-aged ribeye steak, to cook it well is then what is the point of even eating it? I, I, I don't care. I, I, he's seven See, years old. He's this is who. But this this whole nonsense. You, you know why you don't care? Because you eat dry bagels Bullshit. and coffee for breakfast. Wait, wait, wait. It's like the fall from the Garden of Eden. You start. You wake up in the morning. If you're wise, you apologize to your significant other. Just just in general, just for because. Yes. And then you try to eat a Spartan breakfast because. And then the rest of the day is a matter of a fall from grace. You know, so yesterday it was you know Mexican food for lunch, and then well, all right. So can we it, talk? Can we yeah. talk lunch for a second? Yeah. Again, you're a very busy man. I keep hearing Dude. about you edit this weekly magazine, you host a <laughs> podcast, you write seven hundred page books. Yet it still seems to me that you have time to go out to lunch. I've gone out to lunch with you, our mutual friend Nick Palmgarten, who writes for you. He's like, oh yeah, Remnick will just pop his head in your office and just be like, hey, want to get lunch? Yeah, what's wrong with that? I don't understand how you have time to have lunch. You have a website, a magazine, but all this stuff. You don't, and yet you're going to like North End Grill or oh, something I, over there. Once in a, I went last time I was there was with you. Oh, it's sure, probably sure. a year ago. Yeah. On, honestly, yeah. But seriously, how do you find time for lunch, and what is it about lunch that you find is important to take? First of all, I'm hungry. Okay, but yeah, but most people, if you're Cindy Levy of so Glamour, I, you're I, eating a little salad at your desk. Well, God bless. Cindy scolded me once for going out to lunch. Oh, it's, that's I love her, but that's that's <laughs> as do I. That's just. So, for example, I had on on the New Yorker Radio Hour, if I can plug it oh, for a yeah. second. On WNYC, but uh, also you can download it at your uh, local app store. All those things. All those things, yeah. So I had on Bassem Youssef. Bassem Youssef is the John Stewart, or was the John Stewart, of Egypt. Wow. And he got thrown off the air, and now he's living in Los Angeles. I, think it's, I imagine it has to be kind of dangerous to be the John Stewart of Egypt. It was, a hell, it was very dangerous. It was very perilous, but he was a big thing for about three years, on and off. And he was on Stewart a couple of times. A really interesting, lovely guy, and clearly very fit in his mid forties. And I asked him, and I, I noticed it from this documentary film that was made about him that he eats his. You ready for his diet? Mm -hmm. Here it is: <laughs> no breakfast, Spartan lunch, and the kind of dinner that they recommend in a Weight Watchers thing. You know, eight ounces of this. How do, little, how, how do you? And then nothing again. And wait, wait for it. And he's vegan. Oh my god! So by my lights, he's just got to be hungry all the time. And so unwisely, at one point, so you so you took him we to were, Chipotle. We were we were late for lunch, or I was running late for lunch. I said, "I'm starving," and he looked at me, just with infinite pity. He said, "That's not you're not feeling hunger at all. It's just habit." Wow. 
I just I don't have that kind of um, so wait, did you, steely discipline. Did you take him to lunch, or you said you had Mexican? No, for the lunch hell with yesterday. him. He's going to have you know nothing but sprouts so, and a piece of cardboard. But did you have lunch yesterday? Yeah. So what did you have? Mexican food. But where? That joint down the street. Though right over here, Elvez. Is that what it's El called? Elvez. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I, is that Steven Star who owns all the restaurants in Philly and everything, yeah. and uh, quite well, the restaurant tour? Fish tacos. Upland. Nice. Yeah. Fish yeah. tacos. The, the fried kind. No, or the grilled. Oh, the you're, grilled you're not that bad. You're, no, you, the fried you, kind of terrific. I know, but you try to. I try. Grind your, yeah. Now, what'll kill me? What will kill me in the end? Literally, is bread. That's everybody has their their downfall. That's the end. Yeah, but if you're not, are we gonna, really but talking if you're, about? Yeah, this? but if you're not going to put <laughs> butter on the bread, what's the point? That's, that's not the thing. Because <laughs> butter is merely a conveyor of salt, which is an excellent thing too. All right, let me ask you this: You have a um. <laughs> The New Yorker, <laughs> that, that weekly periodical you edit. Which is probably dying on the vine as we speak. <laughs> you have the, the your annual food issue yeah. out this week. It, can I tell you something? It is the easiest thing. It's food and travel, okay. in fairness. Well, well, well yeah. What, 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 I, that, all right, I was talking about this in the office yesterday with some of us Bon Appetit folks, and they're like, what do you mean it's food and travel? What, what, food isn't good enough? We, I put out a, month, a magazine every month that's just food. You put out once a year, and you figure you have to merge it with travel. To yeah, some, but we do, we do a fair amount of food pieces as it just along the way. I yeah, mean, we had true. a ginormous profile of um, Anthony Bourdain not long ago. I can't. Uh, I like the fact that David Remick now officially says ginormous, and it's okay. It's like you're like the Webster of exactly. editors. If now I, it's okay if I for say it, it's in the yeah, OED, yeah. yeah. Um, and a terrific piece by it was by Patrick Keefe, and well, look, here's the dirty secret of traveling. Traveling's nice. You go, you see things, but really, you, what are you there for? <laughs> Half the time, you're there to eat. Yeah. And somebody asked me what city I'd been to not so long ago that I really loved, and I said Barcelona. He said, "Why? Because Barcelona, unless you're a real Barcelona maniac, it's unlike Paris where you could." load yourself up with cultural things to do all day long for day after day after day after day and never get to the end to it and, and feel guilty otherwise. In Barcelona, the big hits you can take care of pretty quickly, right? Mm. There's the and, Picasso and Museum. And you have time to eat and drink. That's the thing. You've got mm. the Gaudi buildings, you've got the, the cathedral, and then you're pretty much, you're home you're free. You're ready to I go. Like the, I like the sound of that. I, I get stir-crazy in museums. I feel very claustrophobic. Oh, I love them. But I, it, it, Barcelona is a decent museum town, but not not a great no, one. Switch, not like Madrid. Trent, switch and segue sure. a little bit. Have you been to an FC Barcelona game ever when you're in town? No. It, that it's not my game. doesn't interest you? No. You're, what are you currently into? In, in my theory, so I'm 58, and what I've done over time is try to eliminate things <laughs> rather than bring them on. So when I was a kid, so I watched first we got all of, this first stuff. we got rid of butter well, <laughs> and, and cream cheese. I'm in the process of getting rid of baseball. But think yeah. of the time. No, it's ridiculous. The time, but tick, can't, talk, can't, tick, can't, tick, 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 I kind of do that with the NBA is that I sort of tune in for the playoffs, but I'm not going to follow it, Rick. I'm just going to kind of check in That's now the and one then. I've got left. And then, so and football then. I watch a little bit, but it, it's untenable. I used to watch when I was a kid boxing because Muhammad Ali was a huge passion of mine. So I watch none of this stuff with, with rare exceptions. Base, and baseball just, <clears throat> I mean, there was a period when the Yankees were glorious and my kids were little and my wife was into it and watched a lot of baseball. Like, are we talking Bernie Williams or Reggie Jackson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, both, but yeah. my kids were not alive yeah. for that Reggie Jackson period. And my kids kind of expected that what happened in October 
Is your, <laughs> is your baseball team won the yeah, World Series? It's like Series. Halloween. It comes every October. It comes every yeah. October. And then this horrible thing happened. The Diamondbacks won in the last oh, inning, God. the bottom of the and night. those it, uniforms, teal and purple and that weird logo that doesn't look like anything. Like who designed that crap? And, and even oh, the dramatic loss to the, to the Red Sox was, was fantastically heartbreaking and interesting at the same time when they were up 3 nothing and then lost the series. I can three hardly, games to none. I can hardly Not three nothing in one game, but they, but were, I, they I, were up three games to none, and yet they managed to lose, what, four straight games? I just, wow. Okay, let's talk about the food issue. Yeah. Um, let's, what are some of the, can we, let's talk about a, a food story or two sure. that are in the issue that you're psyched about. Do marijuana edibles count as food? They do. Um, I can I can I make a full disclosure? Never in your life. I've never had one. I'm not. I didn't grow up a big pot smoker as a kid growing up in Washington D.C. during the straight edge era of punk rock. I did not get into the marijuana. Um, really? Yeah. I don't. I don't think I smoked pot. Can I just say this? Yeah. Who cares? It's legal. Ever. I didn't smoke pot until I was thirty. Wow. I was just like, oh, pot's for deadheads, and I, I hate I the I cannot dead. make the same claim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you are you've had? Have you had a gummy? Have you had a, like a because it's different like, than the brownies so that people my make at pot, home. My pot history is very simple. I resisted it in high school because everybody around me was doing it, and it was it seemed boring. Everybody seemed yeah, being just, ridiculous. Like, yeah. Then I got to college, and my roommates just – it was constant. So I would – right, right, you, you went to Princeton University. Whatever. No, okay, but let's be honest. So people were smoking pot at Princeton? Yeah, I just, not just a bunch of my room studying. My, my room looked like you know backstage at you know the Riders <laughs> of the Purple Sage concert. So it's an arcane reference, and but I did it in a kind of way that's characteristic, which is say I do my work until midnight, and then very good, yeah, and then and then the tuna hoagie, and then fall asleep, and that has its charms, but it gets boring after. A we while. should start a cover band called Tuna Hoagie. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd happily join that band. And, and, you know, and then here and there in college, but it was like a freshman year phenomenon, and then it got boring. And then it, I had a renaissance when I, you know, did the, traveled in India, Nepal, just, yeah. you know, backpacking, that kind of thing. Like you and And then really Harrison. since then, you know, uh, you know, once or twice here or there of, of late, just in the, in the spirit of um, nostalgia. Yeah. And, you know, so you're sitting there, you have a gummy, and then half an hour later- Wait, so you've had a gummy? Yeah. And and what is the experience like? Do you notice it? You're like, yeah. oh, I definitely Yeah, you get right kind now. of zingy and, and kind of um, pleasant and zingy and a little bit like, you know, the old familiar feeling. But am, it, yeah, am so, I still breathing? Am I not breathing? Is it is it this is it is it discernibly different than taking a hit from a joint or something, or is it the same? It's effect delayed. Only? Delay. I do not know this. How can it be the same? It's got to be different, right? And you see these little gummies and dump. What is your problem? I don't know. I'm just kind of a nerd. Um, not even a nerd. I'm just not that cool. I, I guess I would try there, one. Have you never gone when? When's the last time you were in California or Colorado or? Oh, something? I know you can go to these cool like boutique dispensaries now that are like all stylish and stuff. Okay, you sound like you're 111. <laughs> You drive up and they have a menu the size of the biggest wine list you have ever seen in your life. And with all these kind of descriptive terms that are like a parody of of the kind of snottiest wine store that you've yeah, ever some been. Some are more upper, some are more downer. Well, yes, you know, has, you know, tannic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. after flavors and the flavors are described and then the kind of high. You have to go look at it. It's, it's kind of fun. Um, and then obviously, you don't need, no need to consume. You can just, you know, just go suss yeah. it out. I, I'm curious about it. And and, and, it, and the same, and, and the people that work there, the one that I went to, 
last time. It's the same thing as I used to go on my way home from work. I'd get out at 72nd Street. I live farther uptown now on the west side. And there was a big HMV. There was also a Tower Record. I This was like a- oh, HMV, 50, the record store from back Yeah, then. and I, it was like a 50, yeah. Yeah. Record, like, records, records pre-Spotify. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd, I'd stop in for a 15-minute break before, you know, the transition to home. And the rock and roll guys were always the same. They didn't give a damn that you were there and you'd find whatever you're going to find. And Because there they were doing land office business. And then you wander into classical Wait, music. doing what? Land office business. What does that mean? You're selling a lot of records. Okay. All right. Okay. Am I going too fast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you go into the classical music thing and some guy, and they're having a hard, they're not selling a lot. No. And the guy, you'd say, you know, I'd like to get a, a recording of Rigoletto. You know, sort of some, something right down the middle. I had that for or, dinner last or night. Or Aida. Actually. It's very good. With It depends <laughs> on the kind of pasta you use. And they always wanted to sell you something. Well, you can't get that thing with, you know, Pavarotti or something. That's just too, that's just, too, that's like, yeah. it's like, you know, overdone steak with the ketchup. You got to get the 1942 recording recorded on the bottom of some guy's shoe and, you know, you can barely hear it, but it, it's aficionado time. Same thing in these pot stores. You, you inevitably, you'll, you'll run into one of these guys and I've only been once, but this guy was like the snottiest wine steward you've ever met in your life. Talked about aftertaste and subtones and- See, that drives me nuts with Wine stores are so many A's. Only, we'll a, only, only a bit of paranoia. <laughs> I think, yeah, only a bit. I just want a smidge. Yeah. Just, just a yeah. smidge of paranoia. But you, the, so this piece by Lizzie Whittacombe in the New Yorker magazine. Who's a, who's a spirited, how would you describe Lizzie as a writer? Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's but I mean, well, how would you describe her writing? Well, she's, I, I think she's, her expertise is usually in the areas of pop culture. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she's funny. Yeah, exactly. And, and anyway, she's got this piece about a woman named Lori Wolf who is often called the Martha Stewart or the Ina Garten of edibles. Wow, that's a good... So, so it's, it's that kind of lunacy um, that you can run into. And she's, but, but like Ina Garten and, and Martha Stewart, although I, I, Ina Garten strikes me as more welcoming. Yes, you, you want to get, <laughs> get cuddly with Ina after a yeah. few edibles. I love Ina Garten. Oh, everyone does. Why is that? Because you just want to hug her. Yeah. And she is who she is. You know, I had dinner with her once and her husband. That was fun. Jeffrey, yeah, you met Jeffrey. I did. Smart wow. as hell. Yeah. What is, is he? A Economist. money guy or a wall? Economist. What does that mean? That mean you teaches teach? At Yale. He's. I think he's been in business, but he's also yeah. at, at uh, teaches. I think he teaches at Yale. Wow. Or were you were you in were you in Paris with them or something? No, Strolling no, on the no, 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 no. Just had dinner in New York. Have you ever done a feature on Ina in the New Yorker? We have not. I mean, now, don't you think we're too late? Dude, you did a feature on Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like that's There was a good news. piece on Ina Garten online. I think it was by Corey Sika that I- I, I might, I don't know. It was she's, uh, but I do think she's interesting and we, I've talked about her before on the podcast and she's been on the BA Foodcast. Um, I, I find what's it remarkable just, about I like, her- I like, the, I, I like the atmosphere, which seems to be off season no, in the yeah, Hamptons. Exactly. No one's it's, around. It's, it's always October. Well, and what's it's the deal? It's not crowded, but it's still kind of nice out. And her friends, are they working- what are they doing all day? And they're always around for lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunday lunch, we're yeah. like, it's going to be from like 12.30 till 4. Um, but what's this interesting is about her- so not my life. Is that she, 
everyone loves Ina from hipsters in Brooklyn to they do. guys like you on the Upper West Side. No kidding. Yeah, everyone loves her. You don't count me as a hipster in Brooklyn. Not so much. You had you had your day, David. I did. Yeah, but now you live. You, you just said you used to live on 72nd Street. Now you live even further uptown. I've moved. <laughs> You're moving on up. You're like George Jefferson. I've moved. <laughs> um, okay, so you got that piece. And then there's a more, in, in a way, a more serious piece about a, it's not a chain. There's a bunch of barbecue places in, in, in Carolina called, called Piggies. Yes. What's interesting about it, though, it was owned by a real dyed-in-the-wool segregationist and how the family deals with this legacy and should you eat there, should you not eat there, divisions in the family. So it's it's a kind of, um, you know, one of these dynastic stories but it's built around an institution called Piggies. Yeah, Maurice's Piggy Park. And I, I have not read the New Yorker piece yet because the issue, this is by as, La- as, as of this recording, the issue is not yet out. This is by Lauren Collins, who now lives in Paris. Um, Big fan of Lauren Collins as well. She's great. And she, but she grew up in, um, she grew up in North Carolina. Uh-huh. And this one, and this Maurice's is in South Carolina. Yeah, this is, and it's vinegar. And that kind of mustard. Vinegar based. And that right thing. there causes some, even among the, the Southerners, it causes some divide. Now, let me ask you though, why is barbecue such an obsessive, obsessive, crazy subject? I mean, Texas Monthly lives for that issue. Yeah, Daniel Vaughn is their barbecue writer. They have a full-time barbecue and that, correspondent. And that place in Austin, what's the big- uh, Well, the, the Aaron Franklin's Franklin okay. Barbecue where people wait hours. I couldn't do it. I was online no, for two hours. You. No, that's, you really? I, I, you? I, I, oh, I really like barbecue. When I, I, was a sports, you, I was a sports writer for the Washington Post and because the Washington Redskins, should we all pardon the expression, their their big um, rivalry was with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So I, as the junior guy, was constantly get, getting sent to Dallas to sort of sit there for a week or two and write one feature story. It went, went every day to as the build up to some big game. So you had a lot of free, if you can write with any speed, you have some time on your hands. And I constantly would go to a place called Sonny Bryan's barbecue, which was kind of out on the JFK expressway. Mm-hmm. But there were no terrible lines. And, you know, there'd be Cadillacs right next to the pickup trucks, and it was terrific. Yeah. There's, I- an, there's a craziness. My, my friend John Bennett, who's uh, who just recently retired as an editor at The New Yorker, grew up in, in East Texas. And he said, you know, barbecue is okay, but he just laughed at this obsession there is something about barbecue and grilling in general, and there is a difference, obviously. That is, it's so primal at its heart. It's 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 meat on fire. Uh, I've watched that show. What's that guy? Meat man on fire. Oh, man. <laughs> man, man, meat on meat. meat on, I don't meat know. On I, the grill. I know, I, this this kind of youngish, not skinny African American guy who just goes from barbecue place to barbecue place. See, that sounds like a good job. And the show is unchanging. They. Somebody who's incredibly friendly invites him in. They put a big ass piece of meat on a spit, and they have some special construction that makes glistening it glistening and dripping. And, and then the same thing always happens. <laughs> it just comes right off the, the the expressions are always the same. You can pull it right off the. I mean, bone. it literally is food it, porn. It's like the same thing, whether it's porn or food. It's I like guess you know what you know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what's going to happen in the end. And so, but I do think that's what's what's unique about barbecue and grilling is that there is this visceral connection. As a as a as an eater, you can't not have that reaction when crispy, glistening, fatty brisket is in front of you. Yeah, I don't race, country, all you know. Ethnic, Correct. you know, whatever, rich, poor, 
you have the same reaction as a human being. Um, and, it, and it's fascinating. And I do think that's it, it sort of connects with everybody. Um, and you see that in the South. Um, and, and with Maurice's Piggy Park, it's just... Have you been to that place? I have not, but I was fascinated. What's your favorite The one? fact that... Well, are we talking Maurice's or Franklin? What's your, fa- what's your favorite barbecue? I, I will say it. So I have been to Franklin Barbecue. I was at South by Southwest. It uh, looks fantastic. Last year, we did a, a you special event jumped, there. You probably jumped yeah, the line, I mean, baby. Come on, dude. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I, you, you're like the common man. I'm a kind of ass editor-in-chief. I, I have I, no problem I got playing it. the role. Um, but his brisket, and we had Aaron on the Foodcast also a while back. Um, I, I don't want to say I went in skeptical. And I was like, how, I mean, how good, how different can it be? And? and it was remarkable. And I was asking Aaron, like, I mean, don't you just put it in the smoker and 10 hours later you take it out? And he's yeah. like, oh, silly boy. Um, to get like the exact right temperature, the amount of air, the, you know, the heat, the proximity to the flame, all that sort of stuff. What's the sauce situation? Well, that's an none. amateur question. Come so on. it's none. I mean, you can, but it's like you don't need it. But there's something about the meat. His brisket is so moist and so tender. Do you have any here? No. Because <laughs> I eat it right now. That it is like, and that it's got that peppery bark on the outside. Um, and I've had friends who make their brisket in the big green egg, and it always comes out a little dry or not I quite never, or uneven. I, as a kid, I never heard of this stuff. No. And the only, the first time I ever heard of it was through my blessed magazine. I was a kid reading American Fried or one of these books by, early books by Calvin Trillin. And he was describing Arthur Bryant's in yeah. Kansas City, yep. which I believe still exists. Yeah, yeah. On Brooklyn Avenue in Kansas City. You know what Kansas they do, City? which is great? They do the, they the do burnt the, ends. The, well, they also do the baked beans with the burnt ends mixed in. So they have the chopped up burnt part of the brisket mixed in with the baked beans. Oh, my God. You take a quart of those home. That sounds delicious. Yeah, have some gummies, then have that afterwards. Oh you got to wait a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm, t- I'm reliably told. So I, my 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 feeling on Franklin Barbecue is, is it as good? Just as by the, the way, for the cause yeah. of the broadcast, yeah. my gummy experience. Oh boy, now you're backtracking. Now is is limited to a probably a, a very tiny handful over <laughs> over a, an adulthood. <laughs> a tiny, what you could fit in a baby's hand, mm-hmm. a uh, newborn. I will say this about Franklin. Um, is it as good as people say? Yes. Would I wait four hours in line for it? No. But I'm not going to wait four hours because in line for anything. Because you're a spoiled brat. No, I'm a 47-year-old man with like a kid and a wife I'm and a job. I sat there for two hours like a lox. And then you got up and left. I, it was going nowhere Exactly. Fast. Amateur move. So you it just, was <laughs> unbelievably you, bad. You, you should have just emailed me. Uh. But I do think what's interesting about the Maurice Piggy Park piece is that and we can read the piece, but just the, his, the, the founder or the, the previous owner, Maurice, his sort of deeply rooted attachment to segregation and sort of white supremacist literature and whatnot that he would literally hand out at, at the restaurant. You're Absolutely. Like, what? And then it's like, and then flying the Confederate flag above it, which is a whole other issue. Uh, but up and divisions and divisions yes. then in this, among the, you know, nephews and the sons yeah. and, and the now daughters. The, and now yeah. the, the next generation it's is trying to, like, hey, let's just, we just want to run a good barbecue and Lauren, place. And Lauren has a great feel for this because she grew up not only eating this stuff, but living and breathing the politics of it as a white Southern girl in, in, uh, in the South. And it, it, it comes through in this piece. Her, her marination um, in the sense of place is really, it's really distinct. As you don't actually marinate. Uh, barbecue no. meat, you, so you, you give it a dry rub. You're saying it's a mixed <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That that TV show, the amount of time spent on the dry rub. Oh, yeah. Is just epic. But what's fascinating also, except for us, us home sort of grillers slash barbecuers, we'll make a dry rub with like cayenne and 
coffee and salt and sugar and all this stuff. Like you go to Franklin, it's just salt and pepper. You know? That's what they tell you. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, maybe it isn't. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe Aaron said there is other stuff in there. Yeah, that's what they I, tell I could you. be wrong. Yeah. All right. David, I know you're – apparently you're a busy man. You keep telling me. Yeah. I'm sure you have a lunch to be at like yeah. in 10 minutes or something. But before we go, we have our uh, – once again, we have our lightning round questions. Is there, oh, it's a quiz? Oh, yeah. Lightning round. It's either or. You did this last time, but I can't even remember what I asked you. Yeah, well, so, there must have been gummies on the table yeah, or something. Yeah. I, I'm going to come up with one. Ooh, this is this is a post-gummy sort of question. Um, and correct me if I pronounce this wrong. Go ahead. Pelmeni or potstickers? Uh, potstickers. Pelmeni are Russian, the, like small dumplings. Yeah. And what's in it? You lived in Russia. It's generally meat. Okay. It's always meat that I've ever had it. And then very nicely, like a big dollop of uh, sour, sour cream. cream. of course. Well, now I'm thinking pelmeni are awfully good. But, but potstickers are, are, are a genre and more varied and therefore I think probably a richer richer loam. Do you have a favorite Chinese restaurant in New York? Like well, this of- Madame Zhu place mm-hmm. is is really good. Um, okay. One of the great mysteries of life is the fact wh- that food on in my neighborhood, in the Upper West Side, is mediocre at best. Finally, a decent Chinese place opened up called Han Dynasty, but mm. not transcendent. And there was this woman named, I, I believe her name was Jennifer Eight Lee. Okay. Middle name Eight. In Chinese culture, I think the use of the numeral yes. is, is has significance. And she wrote a book that I read avidly about Chinese food around the world. And I read it, uh, not in a literary spirit, but in the hope that she was going to clue me in on where the best stuff was. Do you know that she said basically there's not one decent Chinese restaurant in these United States of America. And the closest one that she sanctioned as, you know, of the highest level was in Vancouver, Mm. which I don't think they delivered in my neighborhood. No, and technically not even in America. No. (laughs) Technically speaking, they won't come, you know, not even south of 110th Street. I don't know. I think maybe now with seamless or caviar, I'll give it a shot. Okay. where, Where do you go for Chinese uptown? Well, A, I don't go uptown. Uh, but in my neighborhood, there's a yeah. place called Legend Chinese on in yeah. Chelsea, which is pretty good. And you have some good Szechuanese options. Um, downtown, late night, if I'm out and about as like I'm a youngster, uh, I'll go to um, Great New York Noodle Town. Oh, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, it's a fun one. That's pretty good. Um, there's, a, there's a woman in our office that, 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 who was, baby a, checker, pig with who was that. a checker and, and, and a writer, mm-hmm. Jiang Fan, who is really expert, not just because she's Chinese-American, born in China, but also she's just a fanatic on this subject. So she brings the news to the office. Yeah, that's good. I, I enjoy it, but I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um, Veep or House of Cards? Veep, by far. She is the best cursor in the history of Well, you know, she gets it. No. Oh, so I, the, Albert Iannucci made this, made Veep, and prior to that had made similar shows on British television, and they had a cursing consultant. Really? They had a guy on staff... Who came up with these incredibly? I mean, it's amazing. Enjoy Louis, Louis Dreyfus's. Phenomenal. She know, and she delivers. I, I found House of Cards a, a bore after the, after the first time around. I thought I thought season two got over the top and ridiculous with the, the dark net and the murders, but season three got back to politics. The and I really show enjoyed that it. the show that you you want to watch mm-hmm. is Fauda. Don't even know how to spell that. F A U D A. It's a. Um, it's about the Israeli Palestinian crisis, about special force team, but it gives great. It, it's not just to shoot him up. It gives enormous um, sympathy to all sides in a way that's really interesting, and it's ten times better than Homeland. Oh, 
Okay. All right. It's on Netflix. Quite but, good. But Claire Danes is not in it. No, no, no. trembling chins. <laughs> Although I, I still watch that. Coffee or coffee? Oh, just coffee. I, by the way, I saw an ad for coffee that had 200% more caffeine. No, really? Get me, get me some, <laughs> of that. some of that. Yeah. <gasps> Reading on the train or podcast listening on the train? Reading. Reading. Do you read a book or do you read a tablet? Um, I read whatever I grab on the way out. It can be the New York Post. It can really? be a book. It can be a manuscript, anything. But my, you, my, my, my commute got longer when we moved down here. But, you're, but you're not like a iPad or no. Kindle sort of guy? No. I don't know why. I, I, I'm on the, I read on the phone a lot. Okay, yeah, sure. I, but, but that, iPads, that, that like ho- to carry around a $600 thing in your backpack that you forget and you throw your backpack on the floor. I, it and never, you're like, oh. it never completely connected with me. And as you know, in the, in the magazine business, for about 25 minutes, people thought that was, you know, that was the, the next answer. I see people re- using it. They tend to be older, even mm-hmm. older than me. Um, but it's, it, I find that the iPad as a reading device seems to be a stay-at-home thing. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's I don't find people sofa. on the subway. No. Yeah. In yeah. New York, you, you'll see the Kindle. You never see the iPad or rarely. Correct. Kanye or Kendrick? I, I, you know, Kendrick. I know that Kanye, in, as a whole, is the greater artist. Is more, there's more there. It's been a, going a on for much, yes. much longer. Boy, Kendrick Lamar is a really interesting artist, and he's it. It's going to get better and better. And I, here's my ready admission: years ago, what happens to you as you get older is not only do you hive off sports, and f- you're 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 looking for ways to get to the things that you don't want to miss. I mean, yeah. in all seriousness, I, I just... You don't want to watch the shows you don't need to do watch. Do I need to yeah. watch a five billionth baseball game? Is something going to happen? Am I gonna, is it worth waiting for the one? No. Uh, for me... Although, listen, game seven of the World Series last year. Extra innings. I did that, watch that. Okay, that was incredible. I did incredible. watch that. But, you know, the normal, you know, Tuesday night no, game against no, the please, Twins. No, and, not even. Yeah, yeah so... And it... A lot of it has to do with family. A lot of it has to do with time with friends. And a lot of it has to do, for me, with, with books. I mean, I haven't read, you know, the list is long. All of our lists are embarrassingly long. And every time I, you know, buck it up and, and put, pick something great off the shelf and really stick with it, it's always a reward. It's always a reward. So, you know, a lot of these things... The effort is to care less about things that are easy. So are, you, are you t- saying you're you're going to write a book about Kendrick Lamar? What, 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 no, 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 no. I <laughs> no. wouldn't dare. No. But I do write about music. But I don't feel comfortable about writing about music that is not innate to me. In the you know, so I've written about. I just wrote a piece about Leonard Cohen shortly yes. before he died. Aretha Franklin. Um, any number of things. I I did a Springsteen piece. I think there are people way better qualified to write, you know, Kay Sano or, or whomever to write about Kendrick you, Lamar. You've got some good ones. Um, pastrami or barbecued brisket, speaking of which? Oh, that's a really tough yeah, one. If you had to have like the, the best version of either. Katz's versus Esther Fine's brisket. My wife's. Yeah, my, yeah. My, I think I've mentioned this to you. My wife's brisket is so good that at Nora Ephron's funeral, there were little... M- um, uh, recipe slips in the program, Ooh. different ones in different programs. And my wife, who had become close to her at the end of her life, toward the end of her life, opened her um, uh, program and outslipped the slip and it said Esther's brisket. I'm going to email your wife. I 
the Rappaport family brisket is pretty no, right it's, up there. Now it's brisket and it's not barbecued because no, no, I live get, in an yeah, apartment. No, yeah, exactly. And you're not allowed you're not even allowed to have one of those hoods or anything yes. like that. Um it's like you're a Rosh Hashanah Passover brisket. That's that's the deal. It's pretty damn good. I'm gonna to talk to her about that. You should. Um Girls or Broad City? Girls. Girls. I, I think that show got better. Well, that Philip Roth episode, that, was, that kind yeah. of bottle episode about about, you know, powerful men in the culture industry They're exploiting s- it sexually. The standalone episodes was, they do are always very interesting. What are called bottle episodes. And I, I Who called them what is that? Bottle episodes. I, it's a TV that? term. Oh. You meaning it's in like a ship in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Bottle episodes. I'm yeah. going to start throwing that around. I think she's an extraordinary intelligence, and I bet you it's just the beginning. I think she's remarkably talented. Um, Broad City's fun and funny. Yeah, but it's, I think, yeah, but this, but, but, this, but that thing is, a you know, as these things go, a, a lasting achievement. And, and I think captured something in the way that All in the Family did it one time, or, you know, all, all you know, those yeah. kind of seminal shows. There that, are moments. Yeah. Um, the only people that seemed to resist it were resisted it most in the beginning were people that was a little too close to the bone. So I've, I've been, younger friends of mine in the office who, you know, live in. I, I asked Emil, a couple of their quote unquote millennials in my office, and they kind of laughed at me that I watched girls. That like, oh, well, because you're just like an old, like. It, 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 they thought yeah. you were a horny old guy and wanted to see naked. So oh, they, God. Yeah. No, yeah no, I don't know what they <laughs> thought, but I was just like, I was just like, I just think, I just think it's a remarkably well-written, conceived show. This might be a tough one. A couple sure. more. Uh, Darkness or Nebraska? Nebraska. That is a phenomenal record. Yeah. Nebraska. If, you're de- if you're depressed, there's no better record to listen to. Why not deep in the depression? Or deep in the depression, <laughs> yes. Last question. We asked you this last time, but you can revise it if you want. Butter or olive oil? I know I'm supposed to say olive oil, right? No, apparently I, you can say whatever you want. What did I say last time? I don't know. You I don't, Probably not butter. I don't, do you even use either one? To cook? I don't know. Do you I, ever cook? Scrambled eggs. Scramb- I'm really, really not even good at that. And do you use butter or olive oil for the scrambled eggs? Butter, unless my son is watching me. And, and then, then, I, then I spray the pan oh, with that ungodly God. crap. What is that? Pam, David, David. Oh. I, I do it just, you know, there's you know so what? many you know things what? to what you do to impress your children. that you And, and you're basically signaling to them, you know what? No, you know what? I'm this, using this, this stuff so I won't die. This interview is literally over. <laughs> David Remnick, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Emma Wurtzman and Carrie Polis and edited by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Grady's with additional music by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.